Alright, good evening everybody. Please turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 tonight. Um, I hope you're reading the words of those songs. You know, I've, sometimes I find myself singing it almost mechanically. But, but <laughs> yeah, you're all those years. Uh, but you know, uh, every, every once in a while, it, it, um, oh, 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 I tr- really try to focus on it to read every single word as we go through it. And there's some rich stuff in there. There's really some rich stuff in there. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed that tonight. Now, um, John chapter 4 is where you're at now. Now, let me remind you, the last time that I stood before you a few weeks ago, it was actually during the morning service. So I'm well aware that we don't have the same crowd as we had this morning here or every morning, whatever. Some people can only come on Sunday nights and so on. So... That's how it goes. But I, I taught a lesson there on why it is necessary to preach the gospel. That, that was actually the, the theme of that lesson. Now, during that lesson, we tried to take a look at man, but the way that God sees man. And we had a look uh, where everything started to go wrong for mankind. Um, and that was since that very moment when Adam willfully disobeyed God there in the garden. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 3. Now, this is not the topic that I want to talk to you about tonight, but everything that is wrong with this world can all be traced back to that exact moment when Adam sinned. That was the first sinful act of mankind. When he did that, uh, when he ate of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, He lost his innocence. Um, And it's because of that first sinful act that we inherited this sinful flesh from our father, according to the flesh, which is Adam. We're all from Adam. It doesn't matter what your background is. And Adam brought this whole creation under a curse back then. Death, suffering, sin, all of it entered into this world in that moment And it has continued to plague mankind and all of creation since then. Now, it's it's important to know that God doesn't look at man the same way that we do. Now, those of you that have heard that lesson uh, that we had last time, don't worry, I'm not preaching that very same lesson. Uh, This is important as a recap. But when we look at somebody, we can only see their outward appearance, you know, the way they look. That's all we can see. And when we do that... Now, let's be honest here. We normally judge the whole book on that cover that we see there. That's what we do. (laughs) All right. And that's, of course, not what what God does. You know, if if somebody looks nice and friendly, uh, we are quick to assume that that person must be a good guy and he's probably saved to boot. No, he doesn't need the gospel. And, of course, the contrary is also true, that if we see somebody that doesn't fit whatever picture we have in our mind of what a good Christian looks like, well, then that person definitely needs to get saved. He definitely needs the gospel. That's the way that we work for some reason. But, folks, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't decide on whether or not somebody needs the gospel based simply on what they look like. can't do that. God certainly doesn't do that. You'll remember last time we looked at what God told Samuel. He said that uh, man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And that's what we need to do as well. 
we need to do the same thing. And so we discussed how that every single person has sinned, meaning they broke the law of God, and that because of that, they all deserve death. We all deserve death. And that, of course, entails the first death, which is a physical thing that happens to this body. It dies, we put it in the ground, it's done with that. But then also it includes the second death, which is an eternal separation from God in an eternally burning lake of fire. The Bible talks about a lake that burns with fire and brimstone. It's horrible. And so the conclusion of the question of why it is necessary to preach the gospel was that if we don't, well, then people won't know that Jesus died for them on the cross and that he rose again and that if they only put their faith and their trust in Jesus alone that they can be saved from that horrible um, damnation that he carried their punishment on him. I mean, how else will they know? Let's be honest here. Let's be reasonable. How else will people know that? Now, we've had many sermons in this church um, that, and lessons even that were taught on the importance and the, the fact that we should be preaching the gospel as Christians. If you are saved, you should be preaching the gospel. But this is not one of those lessons. Uh, but we've had that importance explained to us by different preachers from different perspectives and it all comes down to the same conclusion. You know, the fact that it is a biblical command for every Christian to preach the gospel is something that you just cannot dispute. It's there. It's in the Bible. It's, it's, it's not some fancy theological thing that we're doing. No, it's right there, black and white. You can see it there. So tonight my main purpose is not to try and convince you to try and to go ahead and preach the gospel. All right? That's not my main purpose here. You already know that you should. <laughs> all right? Because of various reasons. You know, not the least of which um, is that Jesus commanded it. And if you are saved here tonight, then you've heard the gospel preached to you at some point. And that is why you are saved here tonight. No other reason. No other reason. It's not, it does not come by birth. All right, that's not how it works. So I think that the next logical question, if we, if we start from this uh, presupposition, I guess, I'm not sure if that's even the correct word. Okay, somebody can help me on my English later. But... Uh, <laughs> If we start from here, that, all right, we need to preach the gospel, I think the next logical question is, how? I mean, how should I preach the gospel? You know, not, not everybody can just stand up and think, oh, okay, this is what I need to say. You know, some of these preachers standing up here make it look like that. You know, they just stand there and they preach. Well, no, that's not how it works. Trust me, I promise you. But what we'll do tonight is we'll take a look at how the greatest soul winner ever reached out to people to explain the gospel to them. And by doing that, we can hopefully get a few tips that we can apply uh, to ourselves when preaching the gospel. Whether we've been doing it for a long time, maybe we're just starting out, maybe you've never done it. Maybe we can learn something here tonight, but first let's pray. Father, once again, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Lord, thank you that we can have these wonderful songs, these poems that were written by other saints, Lord. That we can sing and be reminded of heaven that came down and glory filled my soul, Lord. Oh, Lord, what a wonderful day that was. Lord, we ask that you will please work in our hearts tonight. Will you equip us tonight, Lord? Will you make us more like Christ? 
That is our aim here, Lord, and we know that that is also your will, is that we should be transformed and conformed to the image of Christ. We praise your name, Lord. Thank you for being with us. Amen. So, before we start, there we go, now we can start. All right, chapter 4, John chapter 4, and let's start in verse 5 there. Then cometh he to a city, this is Jesus now, the he. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob, Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of, a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Let's stop there for a moment. Okay, so Jesus was coming from Judea, and he was on his way to Galilee to continue his ministry there in the area of Galilee. And we can see here in verse 4 that he actually had to go through um, Samaria to get there. Now, as you can imagine, walking in the Israeli desert for a few hours would definitely make you tired, I would, to say the least, I guess, um, which is what we see happening to Jesus here. You know, I spoke to... Uh, Umati throughout this weekend and he, he told me about a trip that he took in Israel and they walked through the desert and up and down the mountains and this and that. Uh, I just got tired, you know, just hearing about it. I, I was exhausted. <laughs> but, yeah. but this is what we see happening to Jesus. He's tired. I mean, the sun's been beating down on him and John records the time here as around about the sixth hour of the day. Now, I think it's fair to assume that uh, John would use the Jewish way of tracking time. And they would say that, well, the, the day part of the day would start at around about 6 a.m. when the sun comes up in the morning. That's more or less when it would start. So we're looking at around about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, you know as good as I do that 12 o'clock in the afternoon, the sun is at its highest. And it's beating down on you. It's, it's, it's at its hottest. So Jesus... He's tired here. He's probably very hot. He's exhausted and he's thirsty uh, when he got to Sychar. So he sat down to rest a while at this well. It all makes sense. And it is then when this woman comes up to fetch water at this well. Now I'd like to point something out about this woman in verse 7. Is that it's very suspicious that this woman comes right here in the middle of the day. The hottest part of the day to come and draw water from the well. It's actually very strange. I mean, you would think that it would make a lot more sense to go earlier in the day while it's cooler. You know, you've got... Can you imagine carrying that water <laughs> all the way back to your house um, in the heat of the day and, and all of that? Uh, they didn't have plastic containers. You have the weight of the container even on you. Um, that doesn't make sense to me. Or, or maybe she could go later in the day. You know, when the sun is starting to go down, it's also cooling a little bit. You know, the wind is blowing and, and so on. But she didn't do that. You know, but you'll discover as we read on here that this woman has been living a life of sin. And it seems in this chapter as if this sin of hers was actually public knowledge in this town um, among the people of Sychar, of course. So perhaps she wanted to avoid most of the people, you know. Perhaps most of the people would go in the early morning or in the late afternoon to get their water. Maybe she wanted to, to avoid them. Maybe she wanted to avoid, you know, those um, condemning stares 
or those gossiping whispers. Maybe, maybe that's why. Perhaps she was just so ashamed of her sin that she tried to avoid people. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. I'm just making conclusions here. But you know, sin does that to you, doesn't it? Sin does that to you. As long as you walk around with sin that has not been dealt with and that uh, you have not made it right with God yet, then you will always try to hide it in shame. And you're the one that knows it. You're walking around with that uh, the whole time. But it is here in verse 7 that we find our first principle to use when we want to preach the gospel. All right? um, and that is to start the conversation in the natural realm. Okay, I'm going to be very practical about this tonight. Start a conversation in the natural realm. Now, we're not talking about just preaching to strangers. We're talking about preaching to anybody. If it's somebody you know, maybe your family, maybe a colleague, maybe a friend in school or in class um, for the students, whatever it may be, start in the natural realm. That's actually a great place to start. Um, verse 8, oh no, sorry, yeah, let me, I lost my way here. But yeah, start, start in the natural realm. You know, if we start in the natural realm, um, then we can actually start a conversation with anything. That makes it very easy, doesn't it? Makes it very, very easy. Because most of you do that on a daily basis. Oh, you talk about what happened with Japan and the Springboks this afternoon. You're going to talk about it the whole day tomorrow and Tuesday and until the next game. You're, you're going to do that. That's something in the natural realm. You can use that. You can use that to start a conversation with somebody. Um, it is actually much simpler to do this than we make it up to be in our minds. Much simpler. So that's the first thing, all right? I've said that many times now. Start in the natural realm, if you can. Now, there are some more practical things that we can learn from these verses. Uh, verse 8 tells us that the disciples were actually away to buy some food. And we also saw that this woman came to this well alone. All right? So Jesus spoke to this woman alone. His disciples were away, and she came here alone. And folks, that's a very wise thing to do. That's so wise to do. You know, people are generally uncomfortable to speak about spiritual things when they're in a group or amongst others. But, but it's, it's really, even think about yourself. You know, if I would ask you some somewhat p personal questions, you would like us to be alone, you know, or have a private conversation with something like that. It, it just makes sense. Uh, they, try, they tend to be more comfortable to be open and honest about these personal faith issues when they're alone. As you know, maybe for yourself or, or you know other people, um, somebody's faith is a very personal thing to them. It's very, very personal. Let's respect that. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't speak to a group of people. Okay, of course you can do that. If you have an opportunity to do that, please do it. You know, we, we read about Jesus many times going out and preaching to large groups, you know, thousands of people even. Um, so there's nothing that forbids that, all right? I'm just trying to show you what, what's happening here, and maybe you can use some of, that, some of that wisdom. Now, the next thing that we learn from this encounter with this woman is that even though Jesus spoke to her alone, they met at the well. It's a public place. That's wisdom. That's some real wisdom. You know, it's a public place in full view of everybody. 
Now that's a great thing to keep in mind when you want to preach the gospel to somebody, especially if you preach the gospel to somebody of the opposite sex. That really makes sense. You know, when you, when you try to preach the gospel to somebody of the opposite sex or something like that, it is important to make sure wherever you do it, do it in a public place, something like a coffee shop, McDonald's, in the park if there's a lot of people around. Do it in, in a setting like that. That actually keeps you safe. It, it protects you from false accusations that can be thrown at you, you know, of maybe assault or whatever else. You know, we, you, you can use our own imagination of stuff people have come up with over the years. Um, but that, that's some wisdom. And it actually helps to keep you physically safe, um, especially in a country such as ours, you know, where, where crime and violent crime is rife. So if you're going to do it, choose a nice public place to do it in. You know, we are very blessed in South Africa that we have the freedom to speak about these things, to open up a Bible in a public place. Let's use that freedom. We've got it. Let's use it. So I spoke about verse 8, so let's go to verse 9. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So she's obviously very surprised that Jesus came to speak to her, of all people. You know, you must understand this, and, and maybe uh, some of you know this, but the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They were seen basically as dogs. They were hated of the Jews. You know, they were some sort of a half-breed between Jews and Gentiles. They really hated these people. Uh, and Jesus even used um, these Samaritans in some of his parables uh, for, for illustrations. So it was very strange to her that a Jewish man, and especially a rabbi <laughs> of all people, would go and speak to her, which is a Samaritan woman. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. You see what he did there? All right? He very abruptly switched the conversation from the natural realm to the things of God, the spiritual realm. Right? So you see that he tells us, or he tells her there, if you knew the gift of God, which is what? Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the gift of God. So he says, if you knew what the gift of God and who it was that was talking to you, if you knew what it was, you would ask him that's talking to you, and he would give you living water. Living water. This living water is, of course, symbolic of eternal life. You know that. So Jesus used this woman's uh, physical need of water to point her to her actual need of spiritual transformation. So, okay, how do we apply this? Well, you can basically start to mention eternal things in this, conversa- in this conversation that you've started. Or you can start to mention the things of God, obviously. So, you can perhaps say something like, and this is true, by the way, I looked this up before this, did you know that 1.8 people die every single second in this world? That's the st- statistic. 1.8 people. That's crazy. So you can say, just imagine, it could be either me or you in the next second. Maybe the next one. Maybe in 10 seconds' time. We don't know. 
So what are you going to do when you die? What's going to happen to you? You see what I did there? We, we started this spiritual conversation. Or, or you can use something that's prominent in the news. You know, maybe something like these random shootings that's been going on in the world. That's a horrible thing that's been happening. But what's going to happen if you get caught in one of those shootings? Maybe you get shot like that. Where are you going? Do you know? There are so many things that we can use. So many things, you know. Um, Now, I'd like to say this. Be deliberate about this. Be deliberate. Do not wait for inspiration to strike you, you know, while you are busy in this conversation. Okay? It can. Okay? And it does. It can and it does. Okay? So, um, don't worry about that. But you'll be so much better prepared to preach the gospel to somebody if you already thought about these things, you know, some things that you can bring up or whatever. Um, it'll just help you to be prepared and to be more at ease because you will be stressed a bit, <laughs> to be honest. I'm trying to be honest here tonight. All right. Or maybe you can take one of these if you can get it out of your pocket. Gospel tract. We have stacks of them on that missions table there at the front. If you don't know where it is, maybe you always come in here. You just go out that door. You can, you can take a stack of your own. And you can take these home and you can hand it out. But you can also use this as a conversation starter to start speaking about spiritual things. How do I do that? Well, did you get one of these? Immediately. I mean, did you see what's in the front yet? If you die today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? You didn't even need to say that. (laughs) It's written for you. You can use this. And I I would encourage you to do that. And and you know what? It takes a sum total of zero creativity on your part to actually come up with a story or whatever to to swing this conversation in this way. You know, for people like me, that's actually a great deal. You know, I don't have much creativity. So so that's fantastic. So carry tracks with you. It's, It's really useful. Really, really useful. I've been using them for years. Uh, Ever since I actually started witnessing, I've been using them. So that is then the second thing that we can learn from this encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan women as far as our evangelistic efforts go. First off, start in the natural realm. Okay. Secondly, swing the conversation. Turn it towards the spiritual things, towards the things of God. Now we're going to read verse 11 to 15 just so that we can fill in the context of the story. All right, verse 11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence, from whence then hast thou that living water? So she's not understanding what he's talking about. She says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh, drinketh of this water, that's the water of this well, shall thirst again. That makes sense. All right, I, I took a sip of my water earlier, I'm thirsty again. Uh, verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It took this poor woman a while to actually understand exactly what Jesus was talking about here. Now, like I said, we'll get back to this part. So let's just continue in verse 16. Let me just sort this out. Verse 16. 
Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sayest thou truly. Now I'd like you to notice the way that Jesus addressed this woman's sin. It's very important. He did not reproach her. He did not scold her when he talked about the sin. But what he, what he did do is he made her to face up to her own sin. Now remember that the definition of the word sin is the transgression of the law of God, right? That's First John chapter 3 and verse 4. So when you break the law of God, you've committed a sin. Okay, that's sim- simple as that. And here, Jesus lovingly, I'd like to underline that, lovingly shows this woman that she has broken the law of God. He used the law to bring her the knowledge of sin. That's in Romans 3 and verse 20. The, the law brings the knowledge of sin. And this is something that all of us can do as well. Um, we can use the law to bring the knowledge of sin to people. So how do we do that? Well, we can use a few simple, direct questions to do this. Such as, have you ever told a lie? Did I offend anybody when I asked that? <laughs> I hope not. But that's the question. You can ask somebody that. Have you ever told a lie? Now, I know it's, it, it kind of gets a bit confrontational at this point. I get that. But if you gently ask people this question in the spirit of love and meekness, then they will not be offended. I've been doing this now for, I, I've tried to figure it up, I think it's about 10 years now. People do not get offended at that question. Not at that one. <laughs> okay. They do not get offended by that. Um, you know, this is how we let people look deep into the law of God so that they can see for themselves that they are sinners. And when we do this, we are speaking directly to their conscience. And that, that is very, very valuable to do. We're going around the intellect and we're going straight for the conscience. Now, I cannot overstate the importance of doing this in a spirit of meekness and love. Folks, really, when you witness to people, those of you that have been doing that, do it in meekness and in love. Please. Because that's the reason why we're doing this, isn't it? It's not to prove a point. It's not to win an argument of some sorts. We do this because we do not want people to end up in a lake of fire, burning there for eternity because of love so you can continue to ask questions such as well have you ever stolen anything before have you ever committed adultery before you know jesus said in matthew chapter 5 that if you just look at a woman to lust after her then you've already committed adultery with her in your heart have you ever done that now once again the purpose here is not to start accusing people of various sins Please understand that. What we are doing is we're taking the the light of the law and we're shining it on their sins so that they can see it for themselves. That's the important part here. It is only when when a person sees his own guilt that he can understand that he is in trouble with God. Now I should mention that our intention is not for people to have better morals. Please understand that. All right? We rather want them to get saved through faith in Christ alone. 
God will sort out the morals. Don't worry about that. If they're saved, God will sort that out because then they have the Holy Spirit in them. They have an unfair advantage. But while they're not saved, that's not our concern. We want them to be saved. And they will not understand that they have sinned against God if we don't show it to them with the law. They don't get it. People think that they are basically good. That's, that's just how it is. If you don't believe me, go tomorrow to somebody and ask them, do you think you're a good person? <laughs> okay, I'm willing to put some money on the answer there. But really, people think they're basically good because we judge ourselves by ourselves. That is why we're showing them the objective standard of God's law to illuminate this thing to them. That's all you can use. Verse 19. Verse 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now what does that have to do with anything? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And this has happened to me so many times in the past. So many times. As soon as people start to see that they have sinned against God, then they will try to change the subject. Now, not everybody does that, but it really happens a lot. One such instance that I can remember was when uh, Brother Rick and I were out witnessing on the campus um, a few years ago. And you probably already know what I'm talking about, I don't know. But Rick was dealing with these two guys, and he, he was taking them through the law, showing them that they have sinned, just like I told you right now. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, this one guy pops out and says, so what about dinosaurs? (laughs) I kid you not, that question blew my mind. You you could see the static like on the TV on my eyes and there was just nothing there, you know. I mean, how on earth do you progress from seeing that you are a sinner to wondering something about dinosaurs? Now, Rick handled that situation very graciously, uh, by saying some, something like, I don't re- recall correctly, but he said, well, that's a great question. You know, let's finish this topic and then we'll get to the dinosaurs afterwards. And, and we, we carried on. So that was actually very great. Uh, but you see, people will try to change the subject just as this woman did. I think it's just human nature to try and run whenever you see that you've been cornered. You know, you, you have nowhere to go. But folks, you can't run f- away from God. You can't. Jonah tried that. Didn't work out well. So a tip that I can give you here is not to let this conversation get sidetracked. Okay? If it is something that you can deal with very quickly, you know, Jesus actually did deal with this question between verses 21 and 24. We're not going to read that now. But he did answer this question very briefly and then he went on. And you can do something like that. But please uh, just be careful that the conversation does not get sidetracked. It's, it happens so easily. Try to stick with the topic at hand. Now, it is at this point <laughs> when somebody has seen their sin and they know their guilt and that we can ask them, so, if you were to die today, should God let you go to heaven or should he punish you? What do you think? Yeah, let them think about this. It is important to know whether or not the person that you're speaking to actually recognizes their guilt before God. Now, Brother Francois, you're trying to make the people feel bad. Well, no. 
That's not what we're trying to do when we do this. Okay? They do feel bad, and they should, because they've sinned against Almighty God. I remember how bad I felt the first time I realized that all of my sin, all my life, has been committed against God Almighty Himself. They should feel bad. That's the, that's the right response. Verse 25. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, uh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. <laughs> you know, Jesus finally tells us straight up that he is the promised Messiah. Uh, she at least knew that the Messiah was coming, okay? So that's good. She had good ed- education o- on that. But she had no idea that she was actually talking to him face to face right there. What I would give for an opportunity like that. One day, one day, we will. But that reminds me of many people in this country, you know, that have some sort of Christian background or upbringing, you know. Now, of course, not all people in this country have that background, okay, but many do. Many really do. And it is normally around this point in the conversation where they will start to mention something about Jesus, you know. But whether they bring him up or not, it doesn't really matter. It is now the time to reveal him to them. All the work, need, all the work that we've done up to this point needs to be done to get to this point of explaining to them how Jesus died for them and that he rose again from the dead. You know, it is only then uh, when, when somebody understands his own sinfulness and guilt before God that it actually makes sense that Jesus came and died for us. Without that context, it means nothing. Nothing. You know, people that are healthy don't need a doctor. <laughs> um, it is those that are sick that need a doctor. So the doctor has to first take the time to explain to a patient that he is sick, and how bad it is, and, and so on. And then he can only go on to give this patient his medicine. The patient first needs to admit that he is sick. Otherwise, he will not be motivated to take his medicine. In the same way, we first need to explain to people that they have sinned against God. Only those that first admit that they are sick with sin will actually take the cure of the gospel for their sickness. And it is at this point where you can take your time to explain the work of Jesus on the cross, how wonderful it is, how much He loved us, that God sent His only begotten Son to die on our place on that thing because He loves us and because He doesn't want any of us to perish, none of us, but that all should have everlasting life. That's His desire. And then you can explain that if they will only put their faith and trust in Jesus alone, then they can also be saved. That is the way to receive the salvation. And that is what Jesus was talking about here in verse 13. Look at, look at it again with me, 13 and 14. He says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever, this whosoever is anybody, right? But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him 
shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. This gift of salvation is available to everybody who will receive it. And that's it. That's how a typical witnessing encounter works for those that maybe have never tried it. Um, I hope this lesson helps you. I hope it motivates you to go out this week and to preach the gospel to somebody, anybody. Can you get one this week? Can you do one? Just one. You've got seven days. Can you preach the gospel to one person this week? Just one. You know, it can be a stranger, anybody that you know, but folks, we cannot sit on this message. We cannot sit on it. People are dying at an alarming rate. I mentioned it to you earlier. 1.8 every second. Okay, I don't know what a 0.8 person is, but 1.8 people die every single second in this world. And a lot of them, a lot of them are heading for eternal destruction. Maybe the person sitting next to you. Folks, we know how somebody can be saved. Let's tell them. Let's tell them. Now there is one last thing that I want to highlight about this story that we can learn, um, that we can learn from. And that is that Jesus was prepared to preach to anybody that he met. Anybody. He used an everyday activity, such as fetching water. <laughs> he used that, and he turned it into a witnessing opportunity. We can do that. We can do that. Be prepared. Carry, carry, carry some tracks with you. You don't even need to pay a cent for this. Carry some tracks with you. Um, wherever you go, you know, practice preaching the gospel. Maybe with your husband or your wife or your friend. And say, hey, come, let, let's practice this for a while because I need to get ready for the real thing. Maybe you can do that. You know, uh, maybe, maybe you can come out with us. Um, ask me, you know, if you'd like to come out with me this week, please do that. You can get your one there. Um, and we, uh, I can teach you. And um, there are more people in this church that can teach you to do this. But maybe it's time to do this for real. Maybe it's time to step out and to do this. You know, be prepared. Be prepared. You never know when an opportunity might present itself. You never know when you might be able to create an opportunity to preach the gospel to somebody. You know, Ephesians chapter 6, very famous uh, piece in the Bible, talks about the full armor of God. And in verse 16, it tells us to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Put on your gospel shoes. Put on your gospel shoes when you go out tomorrow. Uh, maybe you have an opportunity to preach to somebody. But take it with you everywhere you go. Folks, be prepared. Be prepared to preach it. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you. Your, your word truly has everything in it that we need. Even something like this, Lord, you, you didn't leave us empty-handed or, or wondering how should we do this thing? How should we preach the gospel? You've commanded it and you've, you've given us all the information that we need. Lord, we thank you for saving us. Lord, I want to pray for these that are not saved tonight. Lord, maybe this is the first time they've heard the gospel. I don't know. 
Lord, will you work in their hearts? Will you save more people? Lord, will you help us all to step up boldly during this week and to preach the gospel to at least one? Please, Lord, at least one. Give us all an opportunity. Father, we thank you so much that you are faithful. Lord, we thank you that you answer our prayers. We thank you that we can um, know what your will is regarding these things. And Lord, we ask that you will please go with us tonight, work in our hearts. And Lord, thank you for all that you're doing. We praise your name tonight. Amen. Amen.